Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories. I'm Hannah Weisberg, host of the show. Joining me today is Batya Blooming. Batya is the wife of Staff Sergeant Yassi Blooming of the IDF. Several weeks ago, I interviewed Yassi. This was actually probably a couple months ago, and it was before the, the war had even started. And we just wanted to get a feel of what it was like to be a person in the IDF, a soldier serving in the IDF. Of course, that was before we knew anything about the war. And we featured Yassi's video, which is incredible, a couple weeks ago. In the video, Yassi says that really he owes everything and all the officers really owe, owe everything to the real heroes of the story. And the real heroes of the story is their wives and their families. So joining me today is Batya Blooming, who's going to give us a little bit of a pr perspective of what it's like to be an, a wife of an officer in the IDF. What is like to, what is she going through at this time? What are the conditions like right now with having your husband serving in the war? What does it feel like? And how, what are her, some of her coping tools? Batya, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So first of all, tell us a little bit about how, how long have you and Yessi been married? So we have been married for like just a teeny bit more than a year. We celebrate wow. our anniversary in Elul. Yeah, just like two months ago. So newlyweds, Incredible. basically. Yeah. Incredible. So you've had a little bit of a feel of what it's like to be the wife of someone in the army before the war started. Tell us a little bit about what that schedule looked like then. All right. So it's funny. I was actually really surprised. I didn't think there would be any difference between a wartime and just the regular schedule. Cause like, if he's not, always not home. What is the difference? So on a daily, like on a daily basis, um, he comes home between once a week to like once in two weeks. It really depends like what he's doing at the time. If he's training, so obviously he'll be much more flexible. I might even be able to come visit him. He might be able to come home like like on a surprise just in the middle of the week. And um, if he's obviously doing a mission, if he's on a mission, so it's much more uh, intense. And then it's it's usually like, usually comes home once in two weeks, which means like one Shabbos without him. And then he comes home for the next Shabbos, which is uh, wow. challenging, obviously. Yeah. Right. Wow. So that's a long time that you're not seeing your husband, especially yeah. in the newly stages of marriage. Wow. Right. And 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 how has that changed now? Now that he's now that Israel's at war. So what I noticed that was um, the main difference is the level of stress. Like when you know he's coming home in two weeks, so you have nothing to do about it. You're okay. Two weeks. I'll just wait that. And you know that every day that uh, ends. Okay, we're one day closer. And with the whole mm. uh, war going on now, there's no deadline. So he's not mm. home and he may be home tomorrow. He may be home in two weeks. He may be home in two months. Like you have no idea. And that like really, um, it really makes it much, much harder. Like the stress of level course. is much higher and you really have to like learn to just accept the unknown, um, which is challenging. And, and, and also and there's like, so much unknown. Right. right. And also also mm -hmm. the another main point is that he's like not available on his phone most of the mm -hmm. time. And now like since Shabbos, he's not available at all. Like the, the phones are, are shut and uh, shut down and 
locked away somewhere and we have no idea where they are, what they're doing. We have no clue. So not available at all. And um, beforehand, before they took the phone away, so like they were in a base that we couldn't visit them. So those were like the main differences. Wow. So when, when was the last time you spoke to your husband? So um, I actually saw on Friday, last Friday, uh, that his commander announced that like there are going to be visitation hours, um, sadly, like similar to like what goes on in a prison, but uh, just on a much, much happier note. Yeah. Wow. Like families were coming, like all the siblings, like everybody who could come. It was really amazing and really moving just to see like every soldier, like leaving the gate of the the base and like all like his family was like running to him and like crying and everybody was so emotional wow. obviously i got to see him right. like before shabbos for a few hours that was really great and then uh, Mote shabbos a friend of mine that her <laughs> husband serviced with yossi um she sent me a text saying that they don't have their phones anymore so like that was that wow. yeah wow yeah. so this was all before the ground incursion before they did the ground they went in by ground is that it and since I, then, I don't know yeah. like we know you that know uh, we know that some troops went in, but we don't know exactly who. So uh, right, and and if we you, if we would have known, we wouldn't be able to say obviously. Right. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> so do you know? Do you know at all where he is? Like, do you know? Do you personally know where he's stationed? No, you don't know. You don't no know where. <clears throat> How are you dealing with feelings of fear right now? So. Um, I'm actually not dealing with feelings of fear. It's kind. Of, I feel kind of weird saying that, but I feel like I'm dealing with with um, frustration, a lot of frustration about everything that we don't know and everything that I can't do. Uh, I really, I really trust in Hashem, and I also know that He knows what He's doing, and He has good commanders, and the Air Force did everything they can to make it as safe as possible for them. So I'm really not concerned, I'm not afraid, and also like in our area, like where I live, I live near Modi'in in a small settlement. Everything is really fine. We don't have many sirens. We're back to normal, back to work. Uh, so fear is really not the issue, at least for me. It's more like dealing with the frustration that you can't do anything. And also, obviously, the longing, missing him. Um, he hasn't been home since the Torah, so it's kind of crazy. I got to see him, but yeah. he wasn't home. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. And uh, also, also the, the frustration from the unknown, which is like, you can't take control. You have nothing you could do. And the way I'm dealing with it, like now, is basically uh, learning to let go on the one hand, and on the other hand, focusing on everything that I can do. If it's um, like for myself, and if it's for others, like uh, we opened a group for the military wives. Like obviously, the military is given, and there are many married guys, but I at least have a small group where I know that the men that serve with my husband, I'm in touch with their wives because there's a, a nice amount of like guys that are married actually in Israel. I'm not trying to, I'm not sure what it's called in English. It's a pluga, maybe a company. Platoon. Platoon. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. I don't really know the terms in English. Um, anyway, so supporting them in any way I can and uh, checking in on them and arranging like times to meet up and to get together. Um, we also got like funding actually from this uh, organization that like really wanted to support us and help us out, which was amazing. They reached out to me and they gave me a call saying like, we understood, like, they know my husband, and they said, like, obviously, um, we want to help. Let us know if you're, like, if you're interested in taking a part in this and, like, uh, organizing different stuff for the women and helping them out with what they need. Uh, it's, uh, like, 
we sent them flowers before Shabbos, which was really sweet. But we're doing stuff that are also much more meaningful than that. Um, not to like make it sound less meaningful, but stuff that are like really, really important, like um, giving them funding for um, therapy sessions, just to have like. So this is therapy sessions for the wives of the soldiers. Yeah, or the families of the soldiers. Yeah, uh-huh. so exactly. giving them therapy sessions to have an opportunity, you were saying to do to to share their feelings, to process to share, their feelings. Yeah. Also, a mm-hmm. lot of the wives they come from families where um, the family doesn't necessarily understand what you're going through. You don't really have a place to to get the, the support you need. Like, obviously, your family loves you and wants to support you, but they don't always know what the right thing to say is. They sometimes end up hurting you more than they uh, wanted to. Uh, asking right. you when did you speak to him for the last time or uh, did he text you? Why didn't he text you? And like, you have nothing to say to that. And you know, that's only coming out of care, but it, it's really, it can, it can come out as being hurtful. So just like making sure that they get the right support. Um, and also right. that they have a safe environment to just feel comfortable to express their feelings without needing to be strong. Because many people have been saying that, me and my friends are in the same situation. They've been saying, Oh, you're so strong. Oh, be strong. Be strong for yourself. Be strong for him. And it's like, sometimes you need to have a, a comfortable environment to just feel safe enough and that you don't have to hold everything like on your own. Of course. So doing that was amazing. So what, so how do you like express yourself? What, what do you just share what you're feeling? So you just share what, what's going on? Like how, how, how do you actually do it? So first of all, um, I think that there's a, a huge power to sharing a situation with people that actually understand you. So just having a opportunity to meet most of the wives that like I'm in touch with, they're in the Jerusalem area. So we got mm-hmm. together about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Um, a shout out to Rotten Hamadina Handel that gave us her Beit Chabad. It was really, really great. Um, so we had that beautiful space. We we're really happy about it. And we brought she a told therapist. Me that you, she, she told me you organized a beautiful program. She's so sweet. She really helped me out with like a lot of things. So thank you so much. <laughs> if you're watching this, thank you so, so much. We appreciate that. Um, anyway, so, so you just, organized there that like for the group, for the, for the wives of the soldiers and you came right. together. And so first of all, just to give them an opportunity to relax. They feel like they're going out to somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was actually... Um, mm-hmm. They have their bike Chabad and the bottom floor they have, there's a restaurant that like on Shabbos like lets them to use this space. So the owner of the restaurant um, like offered this space to us basically. So it was really, really great. We had like a beautiful space. We brought really great food and we got to get to know each other because some of the women know each other, but most of them didn't actually know. They like texted on WhatsApp and uh, helped each other out when they need to send packages to like the different bases, but they didn't actually know each other personally. So it was really, mm-hmm. really great to get them uh, to like see them bonding and uh, opening right. up and speaking about the challenges and, and realizing that they have so much in common and that they're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. And after right, that, get- so we, we brought in a therapist to, to do like an activity and a session and to speak about the different elements of, um, like I'm trying to think of the term in English, the, in Hebrew, it's like the strength of like your... Uh, how do you translate that? Your your inner strength? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So she spoke about like the different aspects of like taking care of yourself, helping others. So I, I guess I guess so many army wives are in a position where they're constantly giving. I mean, if you have children as well, you're constantly giving and doing and and taking care of 
so much without any support, or if you don't have children, you're just taking care of so much on your shoulders as well, that you're not really thinking about taking care of yourself. Right. It's a big challenge for a lot of us. And uh, I think something that I learned in the past few weeks was to get help in the sense that uh, I'm very independent. And when the war broke out, I was like, fine, I'll stay home. I don't mind being alone. I'm fine. I have so much to do. And I realized that it was really difficult. And uh, I spoke to my older brother who lives in Jerusalem and he said, like, come over. And my my like immediate reaction was like, no, no, I'm fine. Like, then I, I realized that, no, I'm not fine. I really should go over. I should accept the help. They're amazing people and they're happy to have me. And I'm mm-hmm. really happy to spend time with them. And just doing that first step into accepting help, not in the sense of like something dramatic, like go see a psychiatrist or something like that. Just like very, right. very basic, your family, the people who love you and surround you, accept the help from that was really, really uh, amazing. And uh, I'm trying to spread that out to the other uh, army wives in the sense that we all, we almost, like all, almost all of us have that in common that it's very hard for us to get help because we're so used to being independent sure. that that's like the flip side of it. So right. we're working so on that. So there's this, this independence and this feeling of aloneness because you're, you're, you're carrying so much on yourself. And I guess when you share that with others and when others come together, it just brings together a more united feeling that I'm, I'm, I'm not in this by myself. So others are helping to share in the burden together with me. Exactly. Exactly like that. It's really right. beautiful to see that. And also, I think it's much easier to start accepting help from people who really understand you. And you know mm-hmm. that they're not um, judging you or anything, that they're in, in the same situation as you. They really get you and they're offering help. Um, right. Really, because they, they know, they care about you and they know what you're going through. Sure, for sure. Um, is there is there something from from your background, from your studying of of Hasidic thought, or from your background in in in, in learning about Judaism that has helped you to get through this? Any comforting teachings or things that have helped you to get through a challenging time like this? That's a great question. Um, I definitely think that Hasidus is something that like is a huge part of my life and everything I do. And uh, not necessarily that I'm a huge scholar and I sit and study all day, um, definitely not that. And I'm actually, if I if I get to sit down and and, stu- and study something, that would be maybe in Chalvis and that would be like, wow, I actually learned the Sikha or something. But uh, okay. in the in the headspace and and the, like the the truth that I learned in Hasidus that they, they follow me like all the time. And uh, I think the biggest thing is um, I'm not sure, like, I'm not such a good scholar. I'm not sure, like, where, like, I'll, I'll just quote it. And if you know the source, just let me know uh, where it says, en rayo red mele mala. And uh, basically, which means there's no bad, no bad comes from above. God doesn't give us anything bad. Right. <clears throat> which at times could be very frustrating because it sounds like something like uh, very, like, sluffy to say, like, yeah, everything is good. You just can't see it. So uh, remembering mm-hmm. that uh, it's something that we saw in the, in the Tanya and the Balatanya is definitely not fluffy or he doesn't just say stuff mm-hmm. like whatever. It's very, it's, it's exact and you can trust him. And then uh, just, and just trying to um, wait and see, first of all, where, what are the good things that I can see now? And then, and then uh, things that I don't understand, try to wait and see what, what can they develop into? Not to try and explain, not to try mm-hmm. and uh, give all kinds of... Uh, 
excuses or explanations like why things happen, but just to 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 trust that they're going to develop into something amazing. And something like that I see now that's happening to like in Israel to the Israeli society to the Israeli citizens is that there was a huge like machloket. There was literally rioting in the streets between right and left, Haredim and uh, and secular people. It was it was really awful. Like there were so many days that uh, schools were shut down, the airport was shut down because of rioting. It was really intense. And just to see how as the war broke out, as people got kidnapped. It just brought everyone together in, in such a amazing way that nothing else could have done that. So I'm not like supporting what happened, but I am saying that I can see something good that came out of it. Right. Of course, the unity that's emerged is really incredible. I was watching as the soldier was 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 freed yesterday of the hostage, how everyone was just dancing in the streets, like holding hands and dancing. It was just so meaningful to see. Jews of all stripes hugging each other and just celebrating and rejoicing because it's our sister, you know, who got freed. Right. So that that's definitely. But I mean that that's quite an incredible like perspective. I, I mean, when things are looking so bleak around you, to be able to say, well, it's not ultimately there's something good in this. You know, ultimately I have to believe that there is something good that's coming out from this. That's like a hard level for a lot of us to really try to incorporate in our own lives. How do you do that? That's true. Um, I think like with any skill, it's just a question of practice at the end of the day. Um, and also, I think that sometimes when you get to a point like a war or something that's very dramatic, you don't really have a choice. It's like uh, we have amazing stories in Hasidus about different people who did a Kiddush Hashem like with Misirut Nefesh that they... Uh, they didn't like self-sacrifice exactly they didn't uh, believe in the Torah they didn't believe in Hashem their whole lives but suddenly they got to a point in their, in their lives where they had to do something that was against Halakha or against the Torah but it was like really extreme and suddenly for, out of the blue they just decided to sacrifice their lives like on Kiddush Hashem which is like the weirdest thing ever because like be consistent okay so your whole life you, you were secular you didn't believe anything what changed? So I think that there is something that, like in these uh, extreme situations, that really brings our nefesh elokis out of us, out of us, even if we don't try to do anything like, like to bring our it godly out. So, soul emerges. Exactly right. Just, just uh huh. So you so mean that's like part of it. you're so right now you feel that you're in a in a time of tremendous turmoil, and there's a certain strength that's coming in from inside of you, from your soul inside of you, from your godly soul inside of you that's strengthening you and making you feel that I can do this, that I can get through this. Definitely. I'm sure that many people who have been in uh, extreme situations would, would agree and would relate. Right. And I think that for those who don't relate, um, I think that the, the thing I would focus on would be maybe looking positive, like looking at the people around us in a in a positive, like, like behind to Ra, how do you say that? A positive light, a, a positive, a, a positive light. eye. Yeah, because I think right. that when we start looking at the people around us in a positive eye, so we, it, it like opens up something inside of ourselves to be able to see how Hashem is all, like look at him too in a positive eye. And I think that mm-hmm. looking at the people around us in a positive eye is something that we all can do. It's not like somewhere up there in the sky that's like far from reach. Um, at the end of the, end of the day, we all have people we love that do annoying stuff. And we love them so much that we, sit down and we explain to ourselves, okay, he was tired that day, she was tired that day, they didn't uh, realize what what the what their words uh, would cause, whatever. We all have kind of explanation that we're good at doing that. 
So developing that and then afterward, uh, trying to use that same point of view to Hashem, to look at him that way, uh, I think that really gives us the, the, the tools that we need to, to see how like there is no bad things that Hashem brings down to us. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. I, I think when we shift perspectives in general, you know, we could be thinking negative, negative, worry, worry, fear, fear. We just keep going in that in that hole of and go deeper and deeper. We dig ourselves deeper and deeper. And you're saying do the opposite, bring light, like climb higher. You know, look in a positive way, look at others in a positive way, and then look at God in a positive way, and look at our world in a positive way. And suddenly your perspective completely shifts and you're no longer feeling that blackness and that worry and that that hardship definitely that's really beautiful yeah that's beautiful thank you um i think there's also another perspective another whole aspect of this whole war situation that a lot of army wives are feeling and that is you know there's this whole issue of taharata mishpacha which is the laws of family purity which you were mentioning how it's it, it can be extremely difficult on a husband wife relationship, especially you know on a on a an unusual basis. Tara to the laws of family purity would mean that when a wife has her period and until she's able to go to the mikvah, husband and wives don't have physical contact. How does that affect your situation now? The context of of a war. So that's an amazing question. Um, in general, even before the war, it's a it's a difficult topic for army wives because that. Uh, as much as you'd like to schedule things like that they would work out perfectly, then when he comes home, you're not needed and everything works out. You can't obviously control everything. And need, you can't... Need a, need a, just to explain, need a mean, meaning that you aren't in a state where you can actually physically be intimate. So you want to create a situation, but, but you aren't really in, char- in charge of creating that situation because it happens based on the woman's flow and based on times that you're not in control of. Exactly. So go, go ahead. So um, some officers in the army are aware to the mitzvah and they're, they understand the meaning. And let's say your husband gets released um, next week and you know that that's not going to work out. You could ask and you could request to, to switch it. Maybe someone else could stand basically he's going to leave this week or the next, the week after, like you could work it out. But in a time of mm-hmm. war, you have no flexibility. And you also uh, everything's very spontaneous. Like you could get a call saying, you have two hours, you could go visit your husband tomorrow for two hours. And nobody cares about what your state is uh, currently. So it's a huge challenge. But on the other hand, it's amazing mitzvah. And as we know, the whole existence of Am Yisrael is based on this mitzvah. The whole, um, like, souls coming down through the world in a pure manner, like in a pure way, it, it's based on exactly this mitzvah. And at a time where we lost so many of Am Yisrael, so many people, so many Jews... There isn't like a better mitzvah to, to put an extra effort into and to to try to, to keep it like to do a little more, put a little more effort into it. Because it's exactly like this is the mitzvah that like we should be focusing on now and the women, I think. Like, and I think that channeling the frustration of uh, there's nothing I can do or like it's so far from me. Yes, there is something you can do. And it's this mitzvah exactly. And uh, the Rebbe spoke about how it literally saves lives, this mitzvah. Uh, I think that Ayomi will give me son. So um, as much as it, it's um, like really challenging, I'm not going to try and make it like sound easy or something like that. It's very challenging and very frustrating for both sides, the husband and the wife. But it's amazing. It's done. We should never like think of giving up on it or um, 
anyway, I can't, I can't imagine like giving it away. Hmm. Wow. That's incredible strength. So, you know, like I, I'm just imagining you haven't seen your husband in a long, like in, in a couple of weeks and you just, the only thing that you want to do is hug him and, and you stop and restrain yourself from doing that because of this mitzvah. And you, you're saying that this mitzvah though, doing it and keeping it is what keeps the Jewish people. So this is, this is the, I guess this is the ammunition that we use, the spiritual ammunition against this battle that's such a horrible, fierce, physical battle. This is the spiritual ammunition that we as wives can encourage our husbands um, in, in keeping. And encourage ourselves, not only the husbands. And ourselves, of course, um, of course. I always think about it, how in the past, like the whole, when when people talk about Talat HaMishpacha, family purity, they would say, um, like such amazing mitzvah, but it's so hard to keep because there isn't a, mik- a mikvah near my house, or the mikvah like aesthetically isn't appealing. Or um, in other situations, like uh, many years ago, like our great grandmas, they would go and like break the ice. They didn't even have a mikvah, so it's like right. I feel like it's reverse. Like today, we have such a like luxury. We have like amazing mikvahs, and every Jewish neighborhood you have at least one, if not more, and uh, it's so comfortable. But we don't want it enough. The, the, the mitzvah mm-hmm. nefesh is not about doing the mitzvah, but it's about wanting to do the mitzvah. And I think that's where we should really put our effort into understanding the meaning of it and just connecting to it and wanting to do it because it's literally easy to do, mm-hmm. like in, in this day and age. Right. You mean the physical amenities are there. It's just the want. We have to have the want and the desire to actually be there and doing it. And that's the hard part. And especially, I guess, now in a wartime, but it's specifically in a wartime that we need the merit of this mitzvah. Exactly. Right. Wow. Um, is, is this something that wives discuss, the, the army wives discuss, or that you are involved with teaching or explaining to them? So definitely. Um, my husband and I opened a WhatsApp group for the army wives, like immediately after we got married, because we understood that it's something that there isn't enough awareness to, and people like, People really need the support and they need that, uh, the, the wives really need that space to discuss things that are um, beyond like, how do I send a package to my husband or who's going to the base and can I join you? Beyond that, there's the whole challenge of Ta'at when you when you can discuss it with people in the same uh, situation or that understand it on the halachic aspect and the emotional aspect, on the, um, even the like health aspect. It, it really, mm-hmm. it's really empowering and it really, it's really amazing thing. So we definitely discuss it. And um, I know that uh, my college teacher, Karen, Karen Valdi, if she's hearing this, I hope she's proud. Uh, so I yeah. ask her often a lot of questions and often like for my friend, because if they're too shy to ask or if they, um, they don't know who to ask. So often she gets a lot of questions for me. And we, re- we really try to focus on discussing it and making it something that Amongst ourselves, we feel comfortable talking about and helping each other out. Um, also, like on the on the medical aspect, like some of the women they just got married, some of them are actually on, on birth control, and just having someone that you feel like comfortable discussing. When should I take a break? When should I not take a break? Can I? Uh, how many like uh, packages of like the pills can I take? Like one after another, um, just to understand. Like also hormonally, why do you feel so weird? Why do you feel more tired now? Just to have a comfortable mm. place to discuss. The, the different aspects, the halakhic aspect, the emotional and the medical aspect, it's amazing. It's really beautiful. It's really empowering. Incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. That's really beautiful. Um, 
is there some message that you'd like to give to those who are watching here in America? Like, what can we do to help you? What should we be aware of? What should we know? Um, that's an amazing question. I think that my message to the people watching this interview now would be, if you're already keeping the, the laws of family purity, then focus on the emotional aspect of the mitzvah, not the technical one. Um, the whole aspect of shlom vayit, and uh, which which means harmony in the house, right? Like just, just getting along. So, go go ahead. Anyway, I would I would I would say to focus on on that aspect and on the uh, connecting to the mitzvah and and loving it, really loving it because it's such a beautiful mitzvah. And if you're not doing it yet, so I'd say um, reach out to the the nearest uh, Chabad Rebbe in your area. And, and say, I want to learn. I may not do it. I may go. I may not go to Mikvah. Who knows? But I want to learn. Like to start somewhere. And and so you're asking us to learn about us wives in America, us women in America, to learn about the laws of family purity for your sake, for your for your protection? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. My sake, my wow. family's sake, my husband's sake, all the soldiers fighting. Uh, all the families wow. that left their homes and they're in hotels all over the country and they don't have their things and they don't know some some families, their houses have been burnt down. Anyway, yeah, for the sake of all of us. Right, we're one people, so what we do can affect everybody. Um, <clears throat> can you give us any little story, a rays of light about from the situation that's that's emerged that you can see there, something positive that we can hang on to in all this darkness? Well, um, I was speaking earlier about the the Achta that just came out out of nowhere when the war broke the out. The unity. The unity, exactly. So a few weeks ago, uh, my husband, he texted me, told me that he doesn't, like he ran out of tzitzit. So I tried to I tried to buy him more tzitzit. I, I like called a few different stores. Some of them were open, some of them were closed. But apparently so many people were... Um, in a in a rush to to help all the soldiers the second they got called just to to go to their bases and to prepare for to start training for the war so they bought like all the tzitzit that existed in the country and you couldn't find one pair of tzitzit so i told them listen i don't know if i'll be able to find you any tzitzit they've all been bought they've all been scattered throughout all the bases and and uh it's amazing but like even secular soldiers that don't usually wear tzitzit or a kippah or daven or put on shillin are now like wearing to see they're davening and they're asking like the the like they're asking all of us to, to daven for them and to say to them to put tzedakah for them. So I don't listen. I don't know if I'll be able to find any tzitzit for you to pray to give charity. Sorry to say psalms for them to give pray for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so by shdecha pratis, like one of my brother's friends knows somebody who anyway was part of like the um, the donations of tzitzit to different bases, and he had a few spared. He had like. 10 pairs left so I sent him some and he like gave some of them to his friends but I thought that it was so beautiful just the idea that you can't find TT because it was bought already by people that wanted to donate them to, to, to soldiers and now they're wearing them so it, it's just so wow. beautiful it was really moving it's, just, it's like a small incident but it, it means so much right wow wow the unity is incredible wow Batya, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, Yassi said that you are the the real courageous one. You are the real, the the real 
strength behind the army. It's you and all the other army wives who are holding down the fort. What, what do you say to those who have like family, children who are doing it on their own? How, how do you, how can we help them or what, what do they need to know? I just want to understand your question. Like, I'm your saying like there's, to. there's, I'm referring to the army wives who have children, who have children and who are doing so many things and it must be so difficult, you know, without the father at home, some of them have multiple children and they just don't have the support. Is there something that we can do for them or that they should know that you can address to, 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 to these situations? Um, well, I don't fully understand that yet, but I'm sure I will understand it, but, um, not yet. I think that if you're a na- if you have a neighbor like that, just knock in the morning and make sure she's okay. Help her with whatever you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, offer to take the kids out for a walk, to take them to the park. Just give her some time alone to recharge, and check in on her every every once right. in a while. Definitely. Um, and uh, right. if you're if you're like from, uh, you don't have a neighbor like that, or you don't know anyone like that, so a text, a phone call, that'd be great. And if not, just dominating for us guys because if you're not here physically at least spiritually there's a lot to do or a lot of ways to help right and i guess here in america that's definitely a message that we can be doing just do whatever we can spiritually to help right exactly. thank you thank you but yeah thank you thank you for your courage i i loved how you said how you are not afraid you know that's not part of your your even your your, your definition right now like fear is not part of how you're looking at things and I, I wish that you continue, I, I, I give you a blessing that you continue to not have any fear and that you no, no longer need to have that strength, that the Amen. your husband should be returned quickly and all the other members of the, the IDF should be returned quickly as the hostages should be returned quickly Amen. and that we should have peace in the land and all over the world. Amen. Thank you for your cur- Thank you for your courage and thank you for joining us and thank you for holding down the fort at home. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I hope we all get to see each other physically at Beit HaMikdash. Hopefully. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I just finished uh, the interviewing Batya Blooming. What I most enjoyed about this interview is here is a young woman. She's 22 years of age, only 22 years. She's been married just a little over a year and her husband is in the IDF. And the way she faces the current situation, the war, with such courage, with such determination, and with such a spiritual perspective. I found that that was extremely enlightening. Um, I found it also so beautiful that she's asking each of us to take on something spiritual for her sake, take on Tarata Mishpacha, something that she feels very passionate about. Tarata Mishpacha is the laws of family purity, the laws of mikvah. She's asking us to learn a little bit more about it. If we do not do it, if we do do it, to do it a little bit more, to invest ourselves in this mitzvah even more. She feels this mitzvah is really the continuity of the Jewish people and so important on a spiritual level to actually save lives. And she asks us just to, 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 to give that little bit extra on a spiritual level so that they can have their protection. If you enjoyed watching this video, please subscribe to other episodes of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories. You can find us on Chabad.org forward slash Extraordinary. We'd love to hear your comments. Please give us feedback about how you enjoyed the video, what you enjoyed about it, and what you'd like to see. Thank you again for joining.